I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Moving into this one bedroom unit, which was creepy. But then all of a sudden, every single kitchen cupboard, and there was quite a few of them, they all opened. It didn't like to be mocked, and he made a mockery out of it. Welcome to The Ghost Files. My name is Karina Machado, and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Where Spirits Dwell, and Love Never Dies. For decades, I've been listening to ordinary people tell me about their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. Now, I'm going to share these moments with you, bringing you all new interviews every week with people who have a spooky story to tell. From seeing an apparition to receiving signs from beyond and messages from late loved ones, plus so much more. What can an encounter with the dead teach us about living? Find out each week. This week on The Ghost Files, my guest on the line from Melbourne is Hannah, who has, as she tells me, a strong affinity with the other side. As that implies, she has a lifetime of experiences behind her. But today we're going to focus on a particular series of events beginning in the summer of 1996 when Hannah was only 11. Following her parents' split, her father had just moved into a one-bedroom apartment in the Melbourne suburb of Nidri. Instantly, Hannah felt a sense of foreboding about the place but could never have imagined what would unfold over the next few years. Here now is my conversation with Hannah. So welcome to The Ghost Files, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Now tell us a little about yourself. What's life like for you today? So life today is pretty cruisy, well, sort of cruisy. I have two children and I work, so it's busy but it's good. Okay. How old are your little ones? Two and seven. Oh, right. You're in the thick of it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you work as well, so that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, okay, but what we're going to talk about today is not life today. We're going to cast back to two decades ago to a very different time in your life. Yes. (laughs) You were a little girl of 11 or so. Tell us about what life was like for you then. So it was pretty nerve-wracking because I was starting year seven, so it was the summer of 1996 going into 1997. I was about to start high school mm-hmm. and my dad, being a bachelor, he rented this unit and it was convenient because it was probably about two kilometres from my school so mum could drop me off in the morning and then I could just walk myself to school without having to be there, you know, like two hours early. Okay, um, yep. But it was horrible. Um, oh, it was just awful. So like the first time I walked into that place, it was dark and dingy complete with I'm pretty sure it was like 1960s olive green paint (laughs) and it was just awful like yeah I just got an instant I disliked it from the moment I walked into that place. Okay and I guess Hannah that there's so much going on for you at this time in your life so as you say you've got um, school high school about to begin which is always like such a big milestone 
And at the same time, you're dealing with this big shift in your family dynamic where, you know, your, your mum and dad have split up and now you're kind of, you know, you're spending time at both houses. So, and then you come to this apartment and find that it's frankly terrifying. Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a lot for a little girl to take. How, it was. Yeah. It, yeah. It was just, it was dealing, you know, from sort of, being at my mum's house, which was heaven, you know, like it was my haven, I had my bedroom, I had everything else, and then moving into this one-bedroom unit, which was creepy, mm. and, yeah, it was it was just – it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Okay, so were you living there with your dad in the apartment permanently? No, part-time. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was every second weekend I'd stay there and every morning – Mum would drop me off and then I'd walk to school. Okay. So tell us about, describe the place. So you've told us it was cold. What else? So it was, um, it was a very simple design. So you walked through the front door straight into the lounge room, then straight into the kitchen. There was a little tiny hallway. The bathroom was on your left and then the bedroom was right at the very end of the house. Okay. So very small. So it was kind of long and narrow. Okay. And you think that it may have been part of what was originally one big house that got divided yeah. up? Yeah, because it was there were three units. My dad was on the end. There was one in the middle, and then there was a unit exactly the same as his on the on the end. And what kind of suburb was it in? I know is it Nidri? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Nidri. So it's an older suburb. Um, it's a bit of a rich suburb. Like even though the houses are old, because you've got Keeler Road, which is, has your tram line that takes you straight into the city and it's got all your shop fronts and stuff. So it's kind of it's kind of like a mini city okay. in itself. Okay. But yeah, it's a very um very posh area. Okay. And so what was the first thing that happened and how long after you began to spend time there did this happen? It was instant. Oh gosh. It was instant. Yeah. So um like I said middle of summer, so we're talking like, you know, 35 degree days. And it was freezing, so that was the first off thing. And it was so cold, you could see, like, your breasts, like, condensating out of your mouth. That like, is it was just so, so cold. So strange in the summer. Yeah. So, like, middle of summer and we've got, like, two dunas on the bed because it, it's just that cold and it just doesn't make sense. Because yeah. it, it didn't have any air conditioning, probably wasn't insulated. So that was the first, like, first thing that you noticed. And then the footsteps would start up and down the hallway so Tell us more about back. the footsteps, yeah. Oh, so they'd start pretty much as soon as my dad was asleep and you could hear the shuffle. So it was like a light kind of a footstep up and down the hallway. And the hallway was only tiny too, but you could hear you could hear them going up one way, turning around, going back up, coming back down and then going back up again. And at that point I'm like I was too scared to lift my head out of the blankets. So I closed the door. Mm-hmm. And then the doorknob would start rattling, and then the footsteps would start. Oh gosh! Yeah. And at so, that point, it was only you hearing these footsteps. Yep. My dad never heard it, and he'd try to, you know, kind of fob me off. Oh, it's an old house. The house is just settling. It's you're not hearing footsteps. It's only the two of us here. It's just an old house. Don't worry about it. Go to sleep. All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. There was an excuse for it, but it was definitely there. And yeah, you're hearing steps and you're seeing the doorknob rattle. That's very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> very much so. And it was almost, it was intentional. Like that was the vibe that I got. Like make, it was making itself known. Right. So you got this sense that whatever it was, was communicating, that the presence was communicating with you in some way. Although you used some interesting words to describe what it was doing, that it was kind yeah. of a game it was playing with you. Very much so. Very much so. Okay. And the more, yeah. if I mentioned it, it would escalate. Right. So if yeah. you mentioned it to your dad or your friends? Yeah, okay. it would come back bigger and better. Okay. And my goodness. So, okay, so it began with the cold and you seeing your breath then hearing these kind of light steps but persistent up yes. and down. Uh, what happened next? So then the bathroom light would start, it would start tormenting me with the bathroom light. So the bathroom light would be on as soon as you got into the shower and as soon as you were incapacitated, so as soon as you have shampoo in your hair, mm-hmm. flick, and it, and it would click with such force you could hear it. It wasn't just, it wasn't like an ordinary light being turned off. It was really, really loud. So was it one so, of those old-fashioned, because in the old homes it was quite a big click, you know, a big yes. thing that you had to move, so it wouldn't have even been so easy to do. Yep, and click and the light would go off. So I would be and – and it was pitch black too and we had – it was so old, it was the shower over the bath. Oh, yeah. So it was yeah. one of those things, it's like I could have gotten out and turned the light on myself but I was too scared that I was going to fall and hurt myself. So I just have to stand there and yell and wait for my dad to, you know, awkwardly reach his hand around and flick the light back on. Oh, my gosh. So with your shampoo in your hair, cold, you'd yell out, yep. Dad, and he'd have to stick his hand in and yep. turn the light on. And how yep. often was this happening? Every time I went into the bathroom oh. to either have a shower or you, and it was the same thing with the toilet too. As soon as you sat down oh. and incapacitated, flicked. Oh my gosh. And so obviously your dad is witnessing that part of it because he's having to turn the light on for you. Mm-hmm. But was he still coming up with the excuse that it's an old yep. house, the wiring? Yep. Right. Yep. Right. Oh my gosh. And so Hannah, you were only little, you know, 11 going on 12, um, but yet you were trying to rule out rational explanations, you know, that, that what yes. your dad. So tell me about the things that you were doing to test it. And I know that you called it it is that right? It correct. It because I spoke about it so many times that that's just the name that it ended up. It. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, silly in hindsight. I can't believe I used to do it. But I do things like I'd put something on the coffee table, for example, and I'd say, "I'm leaving the room. If you're here, move it." So I'd leave the room, come back, it'd be in a different spot. Like where? Like what? Can you tell us in more detail? So what kind of thing might you leave on the coffee table and where would it appear? So say just like a little bottle of nail polish mm-hmm. and say I'd put it in the centre of the table and it'd end up right on the edge of the table. So you'd turn your back and come yep. back in a minute or so? or Yep. Yep. And it had moved. And then how would you feel when you saw that? Uh, quite freaked out. Yeah. Because it kind of validated like, okay, there's definitely something going on and I'm definitely not making it up. Yes, and but were you doing these experiments when you were by yourself in the apartment or was your father in another part of the house? He would usually be in the bedroom. Okay. Or like, yeah, if he, if he was, yeah, usually I'd wait till he'd go to bed and do it and then I'd do it. But, yeah, it was so silly. Like I can't believe I look back now and I'm just like, oh, my God, why was I playing with fire? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... So this, so did you, 
would talk to, I know that you spoke to your father about it, but did you ever tell a teacher or did you tell your mum? Did you tell friends? Yeah. I told my mum and she kind of just like, she just doesn't want to go to her dad's for the weekend. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Uh, mum just kind of thought maybe I was just using something as an excuse not to go. And I told my brother because my brother used to sometimes pick me up there from school. And my brother's very skeptical. So he's just like, nah, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's just old. You just creeped out because it's old. It's just old. It's nothing. There's nothing in there. It's just because you're old. And I think he's a fair bit older than me as well. So I'm thinking that he was just trying to reassure me. Yes. And like, so I wasn't so scared to go there. Yeah. And prior to all this unfolding, were you a child who was interested in kind of mysterious matters or no, or not at all? I probably just started um, – I don't know if you remember the Goosebumps book. Yes, of course. Yeah, so I just started reading the Goosebumps book. So I was a little bit interested in it, but not to the point where I'd ever thought that something like that could happen to me. Okay, so you'd never experienced anything unusual prior to this? No, but I was always um, a very open-minded sort of a child. But, yeah, I just never in a million years would have thought that something like that could have even happened. Right. And so this was um, activity that escalated. So after the footsteps and, you know, the tests that you were doing and and the things being moved, more Mm -hmm. things continued. And they were always your items, weren't they, They, that were moved around. Tell us a bit about what else happened. So stuff would just go missing. So it would be things like, you know, like my little junk jewellery collection or particularly nail polish for some reason. I'm not too Mm. sure what this thing had with nail polish. And, yeah, so it'd be small stuff like jewellery, nail polish, like little bottles of perfume, lipsticks, all that kind of stuff. And it would end up, I'd put it down, say, for example, in the bathroom. I'd put it in the medicine cabinet, go to use it the next day. It's not there. Look for it. No idea where it was. Sort of forget about it. And then it would turn up in the very – because it had really high cabinets. Okay. And I couldn't reach it. And it would end up at the very back of the cabinet, just completely random – and it'd end up there or there was like in the bedroom there was a corner of the carpet that didn't quite meet the walls. Oh. I'd find stuff under there, yeah, all sorts of things. But, yeah, just really random places like on top of the wardrobe or at the back of a kitchen cupboard, under the carpet, just really random places that you would never in a million years think to look for your nail polish. And was this a very unsettling thing for you? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I felt very, like, just very tormented. I felt like it was picking on me. Mm. Mm. And then when you went back to your mum's house on the weekends that you were there, was it all very quiet there and peaceful? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just, yeah, completely normal. You know, nothing ever untoward happened there. Okay, so was that kind of like respite (laughs) there? I used to, yeah, very much so. I used to get like anxiety about oh. having to go to my dad's. I hated it, absolutely hated it. Oh, gosh. And still, so something unusual happened that you mentioned to me in our earlier conversation. So at some point at around this time that you're enduring this tormenting and this game playing, your dad decided to play a prank on you. Now, what yes. happened and why did he do this? <laughs> because my <laughs> my dad, um, he's scared of his own shadow. My dad's very, very jumpy. 
And it was like a running joke in the family. My mum would tell me stories of, you know, like one night he watched a horror movie and then went to bed with a chair propped up under the door so, right. <laughs> so the werewolves couldn't get him to get right. him. Right, that's interesting. So, yeah, so he thought that my mum was using it like his ammunition, like, oh, come on, Hannah, do this to him and, you know, see what his reaction is. He thought that my mum had set me up to try and scare him. Right. Yeah, so he's like, no, I've had enough of this because it was just, it was constant, dad, 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 this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, that's happening, this is happening, that's happening. So one day, yeah, he decided he's had enough. He thinks I'm playing games with him, so he's going to give me a taste of my own medicine. So he rigged up the kitchen cupboard. He tied a piece of fishing line around it and kind of rigged it up so I couldn't see it. But the plan was he called me into the kitchen and he was going to yoink on this fishing line to make the cupboard door open so, so he calls me into the kitchen and he's like oh something really weird's happening and I saw what he was doing he pulled on the fishing line nothing happened but then all of a sudden every single kitchen cupboard and there was quite a few of them they all opened like slammed open everything in the cupboards like fell onto the floor and broke so you know like your plate plates wow. and all that kind of stuff yeah and in the middle cupboard, he had my cousin who had recently passed away. My dad used to teach him boxing. So my dad had his boxing gloves there. These boxing gloves flew out of the cupboard and literally landed at his feet. Wow. And he just looked at me and he's like, I, I, that wasn't me. And I've just looked at him. I'm like, mm, serves you right. Yes. Like you got what you deserved. Because then by this point he was like, oh, my God. Like how there was no logical explanation for that to have happened and then I'm, I just walked off on him because I was so angry mm. and then he came into the lounge room a couple of minutes later and he's like the fishing wire is being cut I'm like what do you mean it's been cut and he's like it's been cut I tied it on there and it's completely straight so there was no sign of knots and you know how with fishing wire it bends and you can't once yes. it's bent you can't straighten it it was perfectly straight gosh Something very difficult to explain there, and I guess that must have truly just floored him. It did, and by that point, I was so angry with him, I was kind of like, ha, 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 yeah. you got what you deserved, <laughs> and I'm like, I told you I wasn't lying. <laughs> um, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm wondering, I'm trying to think about the energy that's given rise to all this, and I'm thinking perhaps your dad was very, you know, psychic himself, and you are too. So You know how they say that spirits are drawn to mm. people who can see them or sense them. It didn't like to be mocked and he made a mockery out of it and I think yeah. that's what triggered it. He mocked it. Right, right. So he, yeah, so in return he got a lesson. Yep. And then he started having issues with it but he didn't tell me that until years later. What do you know happened to him afterwards that he revealed so, later? Well, he used to do shift work as well. And he was saying, you know, like he'd get poked and prodded at the time that he was supposed to be up for work. So he'd have his alarm clock, but, yeah, he'd get poked and prodded. And he used to – he considers himself a bit of a artsy-fartsy kind of a person and he used to do decoupage on rocks. So, like, well, he'd collect <laughs> – I know, right? It's weird in itself. But he'd collect rocks and he'd put pictures on them and paint them up and stuff. Okay. And he swears black and blue one night because he used to put them on top of the – we had a little gas heater. And he used to put them on top of the gas heater to get the glue and stuff to dry. And he reckons one night, one by one, they flew off the heater and were being aimed at him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's classic poltergeist activity. Um, yep. 
do you looking back do you ever did you ever get a, a sense of who the spirit was or what was behind it or what is your theory as to what it was well I always felt it was female okay and I always felt almost like a jealousy kind of a vibe like I just didn't like or not so much jealousy but I don't think that it liked females okay because it started on me straight away and yet you, and, um, you feel she was female Yes. Okay. Mm. So that's the only thing I can cover. But I've done research and I have never been able to find anything to back up what I'm saying. But, yeah, it was just a feeling of female. So you've never been able to find sort of any crime that was committed or deaths that happened at that no, location? nothing. Right. Nothing at all. Just okay. when it's gone on sale and all that kind of stuff and yep. how much the value of the house was. But, yeah, never anything of value. Okay. And... It's since been knocked down, hasn't it? Yes, it has. But interestingly, one of the most troubling aspects of your story is that it kind of continues to haunt you, isn't that right? Yes, very <laughs> much so. So since I've started talking about it, I'm now hearing footsteps in my house, which is brand new, never had anyone listen to it. Wow, my gosh. And, um, yeah, so it just, yeah, like literally no reason for it to happen. But, yeah, you hear I've been hearing the footsteps, but I've saged my house and it's since stopped. Yeah. But I still dream of it like every probably weekly. I still have dreams that I'm in that house and the same stuff's happening again. Oh, god! But, yeah, it's never left me and I always feel kind of like a pull. Like if I'm in the suburb, like I feel this pull to go to go where the house was. Oh, wow. So interesting, isn't it? Very much so. It It's almost like it just doesn't want to be forgotten. And – what do you think, like just to tie up the loose ends, what do you think, Hannah, was the most frightening thing you ever experienced in that place? Because I know it went on for a good, how many years do you think? Probably, I reckon about four or five years maybe. Okay. That's a long but time. the whole yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, the whole time. But Your the entire adolescence, was, yeah. So sort of the older, I just got used to it in the end. Like it was still scary, but I was just like, oh, whatever. Like it's not going to go away. So I just more or less accepted it. And, um, yeah, the worst was because when I was a little bit older, it just wasn't appropriate for me to be in my dad's room. Although if he had let me, I still would have stayed in there. Because the but, original um, reason that you wanted to be in there with him was because from the second you walked in there, you were so terrified. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But when I got older, he brought a sofa bed. So when I'd stay there on weekends, the bedroom was kind of like my makeshift lounge room. And um, yeah, so one, I used to sleep with the TV on and that used to kind of give me a bit of security yeah. as well. So I woke up because like now I've got this innate ability. If a light goes off or a TV goes off, I'm awake. Mm. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's mm. had that much of an effect on me. Yes. So the TV, I heard the like, you know, the old school TVs when you turn them off and you'd hear like kind of like a, a zing sort of a sound? Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah, so I heard that. Of course, the room's pitch black and then I could not move. There, it felt like there was something sitting on my chest. Oh. Um, couldn't move and it went on for what felt like hours or if it wasn't hours, I lost time. Right. Um. Yeah, and the last recollection I had was like I couldn't move, I couldn't yell out to my dad. I was literally paralyzed, like just, and I was awake in my own thoughts, like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Mm-hmm. And the last memory I have of that night was the sun coming up, so the there was a bit of light in the room, and my dad had like a vase with like baked dried um, lavender in it, mm-hmm. and then it was like something walked past the lavender because the lavender like 
it swished and I could see it moving. Mm. Heard the footsteps down the hallway and then I could move again. But I was so tired and I slept till I reckon about 2 o'clock and then I was just drained, like absolutely drained for the rest of the week. That like is just, oh. Yeah. That's a lot to go awful. through. And I think, yeah. you know, listening to it, that experience has overtones of sleep paralysis, you know, the, the feeling of on the chest and not, yeah. not being able to move and not being able to scream out. But it is, you know, it's some people may be tempted to call it sleep paralysis, but when you when you group it together with everything else that's been going on over the last, you know, previous five or six years, it's very hard to just put it down to that. Very much so. And it was just like just the draining, like the after effects of it. Yeah. Like it took me like a full week to recover, just tired and yeah. Just, yeah, just completely zapped of energy. And so after this happened, Hannah, you made a decision. What was it? I refused point blank to ever set foot in that house again. And how did refused. your dad take that? Well, he was upset because at that point we had a really, really good relationship and I literally just gave him an ultimatum. I'm like, either you move or I'm not coming back here. We'll meet up at a shopping centre. We'll go out for lunch. But I am not staying in that house. I will not step foot over that front door ever again. Did you keep to that? Yep. I refused mm. point blank because I was a little bit older by then too. So I had a bit more control over where I went. So I was just like, nah, not going back there. Wow. Yep. What a story. Yep. <laughs> so he ended up moving and yeah. then everything went back to normal, but yeah. It's, so he left that place not long after you refused to step foot yep. in it, is that right? Uh, yep, as soon as he moved in with one of his mates. So as soon as he got, you know, like got out of his lease and did all of that stuff, but yeah, I was done. That's it, done. Not going back there ever again. You mentioned that, you you know, you if you focus on it, you have a sense that it comes back and you hear footsteps and, mm-hmm. you know, the dreams. Now that you're a grown woman, how do you deal with that? Do you deal with it in a different way? Yeah, I, because I know I'm safe now as well. Um, so I just do little like little protection rituals, like you know I burn my sage and I just envision a white light of safety around myself and okay. my family. And so far, it's worked. <laughs> yeah. But I'm older and wiser, and I don't mock it either. Like I don't do anything to antagonise it. Right. And has it made you explore the spirit world or sort of keep away from it? Um, Probably more so I live at one with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't necessarily go looking for it, but I believe in myself a bit more now too. So if I walk into a room and my stomach's saying, yeah, no, this is not cool, I I believe in myself Mm. and I get out of there. (laughs) That's a great lesson to listen to our instincts, listen to our gut. Such an yep, important lesson. Yeah. Don't let people tell you oh, it's just an old house. Oh, it's just this. It's just that. Like I think we all know when something cosmically is not right. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. We do. And um, I know Hannah that your dad had some struggles at the time that all of this was happening. He was had yep. some struggles with alcoholism, and yep. and he would would drink and pass out, which left you very alone. And that yep. this is when matters would really escalate. So I wondered if you had any thoughts on. What part sort of your childhood loneliness and vulnerability, those fears of the dark, may have played in setting the scene for what followed? Definitely. I feel like, too, it was just um, it knew I was vulnerable, yeah. so perfect time to attack because, like, when someone's passed out, you can't just poke them awake and be like, oi, wake up, this is happening. Yeah. So it was a longer time period of being able to get him up 
and that's when it would really escalate, like, ha-ha, I've got you. And I know um, also, Hannah, that you have had many other experiences. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, is there one quick one that you want to share with us before we go? Yeah, so when I, I was a lot older, actually, I was 19 and had just moved out with my boyfriend and the house that we lived in was old, but it, it didn't bother me. Like there wasn't any – I never felt scared or uncomfortable. But <laughs> there was one night um, – I'm sure you've heard of the shadow people. Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah. So I was doing shift work at the time myself, got up for work, and I'm not very good when I first wake up. I tend to walk around like a zombie. <laughs> I, <laughs> the laundry and the toilet were at the back of the house. So I've walked in, walked into the laundry, literally ran into a shadow person – it was the most bizarre thing ever. It was like I shocked it. Yes. So and just to describe for the listeners, a shadow person is sort of an opaque kind of outline yeah. that's dark, filled in with Darker darkness. Darker than the rest of the room. Right, yeah. right. And, and that there's this phenomenon. Humanoid. Yeah, that people see yeah. them all over the world. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, lots of experiences with those lovely, lovely things. Have you? You've but, had lots um, with those. Oh, yeah. heaps. But, yeah, this one's the first. Yeah, like I literally walked into it. And it minimised. It shrank down into the corner of the room. How extraordinary! And what what did you feel when that happened? Like, what did you think was you were seeing? Well, because I was half asleep, I was just kind of like, "What the hell just happened?" But it was like a buzzing kind of an atmosphere. Uh, it was like I've heard you of know that. when you can hear yeah. the electricity lines buzzing. It was yes. kind of like that. But, yeah, I flicked the light on in shock, like, oh, my God, what is this? And then, yeah, it literally this dark shadow was still in front of me and it just minimised into the corner of the room like it was never there. What I want to finish with, Hannah, yep. is first I want to thank you for coming on and sharing what, you know, is an extraordinary sequence of events that happened in that summer of 1996. Well, it began then. It went on yes. for many years. <laughs> so firstly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing those experiences with us. But, thank um, you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. And um, But I do want to close with just asking what I ask all of my guests at yep. the end. So what do you think an experience with the dead can teach us about living? To live with happiness in your heart, you know, oh. to live your life the best you can, the most happiest you can and to live with love, you know, like give love, just do the right things, live live in the light. Oh, well, I can't think of a better note to end on. And, uh, yeah, that is truly lovely, truly lovely message to end on. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us today on The Ghost Files. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for opening up The Ghost Files with us. I'm Karina Machado and we'll be back next week with more true life tales of spooky encounters. So please rate review and subscribe. It helps others just like you to find the podcast. In the meantime, you can check out my other podcast about mysteries and marvels, Spirit Sisters, based on my best-selling book. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time for more Goosebumps.